You're listening to Metrics and Chill, where you'll learn how to improve key metrics that grow your business from companies that have done it before. In this episode, I got to talk with Ollie Whitfield to learn how he and his team exceeded their quarterly goals by gaining 1,200 new MQLs through hosting a month-long virtual conference. You'll learn how he approached getting speakers and sponsors, why they decided to switch up the format to be a month-long in the first place, and how changing that format actually ended up being better for the attendees, speakers, event promotion, and their MQL goals, and what he'd do different if he hosted it again. I hope you enjoy the episode. Ollie, thank you so much for coming on Metrics and Chill. So excited to have you here and talk with you today. Um, for those that are not familiar with your role and what VanillaSoft does, can you kind of give like the elevator pitch of VanillaSoft and kind of your role there in growth marketing? Yeah, of course. So thanks very much for having me, first of all. But um, yeah, to answer your question, growth marketing, you could maybe say it's a bit of demand gen, give or take a little bit. So um, that's that's what it looks a bit more like day to day. And uh, VanillaSoft, the company, is a sales engagement platform. So pretty hot market we talk a lot about sales that kind of stuff so uh, right up my alley and uh, it's a good time I'll, I'll tell you that much it's a uh, good fun to talk about sales but be a marketer it's gonna we're selling to sales people so we gotta nail our craft a little bit awesome um okay so let's start here uh, today you know for the listeners we're obviously talking about um as the episode you know says we're gonna be talking about new mqls that you drive before we get into that um, what are some other metrics that your team on the marketing side sets or looks at regularly besides MQLs? Beside the MQL, that, that's one of our bigger ones. And uh, people love to talk crap about MQLs, but actually give them, a, give them their fair dues. They're, they're not too bad. We track the conversion rate to, uh, to basically demo. And that's part of our OKRs and part with the sales team. It's kind of obviously if uh, the sales team doesn't convert them too well then um, then we couldn't convert them well as well on the same metric that's shared so so that's one of our big ones and we have a, a current a grossing toward and a, and a sort of end goal if, as you will uh, so that's one of them and then we normally have uh, a bunch of high intent uh, leads that we're trying to target so a particular like, source and, and ways that we do that we have a, a sort of a finite number that we're aiming for there they're kind of the abm list people and uh, certain channels we're using for those uh, I'm just trying to think because it's um, as we're recording this, this is end of quarter. So I've just had to mark off what, uh, what we did and didn't hit. But uh, luckily for me, we did hit 99% of our goals. So nice. something like that, I think. Okay, great. Um, how often are you sort of tracking these metrics or looking at these? Like how close are you staying to it? Is this something you're looking at daily, weekly, monthly? How often are you and the team kind of aware of how you're performing? I am daily, but that's not because I'm looking. That's just because of the nature of what we do. Uh, you wouldn't need to look or you wouldn't actually find anything if you did look every day. So, for example, the, the lead commitments that we have, normally speaking, you know, stuff comes in trickling every day from, uh, from maybe SEO and ads, that type of stuff. But for the bulk of it, it's the, it's the event-led things that we do. So that, that comes in when we know the event date has passed, really. So um, I know for the most part, okay, so next Tuesday is our next one. I will have a look maybe... Uh, two weeks prior a week prior if we need to drum up the numbers a bit more or just to check where we are but on the day of I know what we're at and then comparatively I also know we've got one other show this month and that means we might get this much more number and that means off for this month and for this quarter I'm, I'm always kind of breaking it down backwards so normally I can look twice a month but I do it a little bit more than that and that'll tell me roughly where we're at in, in okay. accordance to quarter 
Okay. And I'm going to, uh, you're, you're going this way. So I'm going to skip ahead a little bit and, and cheat and ask this question. Um, as far as the new MQLs that you're driving, you mentioned uh, that you, it sounds like you set these goals by reverse engineering. You're, you're taking an MQL to demo to proposal close rates. Is that right to, to set your next quarter target or like, or where do I have that wrong? How do you, how are you setting these MQL goals? Yeah, you pretty much got it. So for example, the quarter just gone is um, seasonality wise. It's our biggest one. Don't know really why, to be honest. It's sort of one of the markets we serve. That's that's the peak buying season. So we kind of work backward from that. Um, so we normally divide up what do we want to be as a company by the end of the year or, or the financial year? In which quarters will we get which numbers toward that? And, uh, and then we just do uh, pretty much as you would anyway. You take, right, so that means this many deals. How many um, opportunities do we need for that many deals? How many demos do we need for that deals? And so on and so forth. So just taking the sort of last roughly 12 but probably 18 months worth of stats as a benchmark to serve as our estimates and then we we know what roughly the target is and uh lucky for me we've we've just eclipsed it for the quarter we're about two weeks ahead uh, which was really nice, nice. for a, a couple of quarters in a row we've hit a nice rhythm so we're, we're getting there right at the end and and tipping over the edge which is brilliant but uh but we're always kind of the tricky part is we'll now have to change our math for the next year because we've got different conversion rates across everything. So it will be a bit different for next year. Maybe we'll have a lesser lead commit, but we'll be much more targeted or, or maybe the other way. I'm not sure how it would go, but always always based on the, the money and then the deals and, and backwards from that. Okay, perfect. And then as far as that, like it sounds like there's some element of uh, just projecting like what you think you could hit, like some some percentage increase on that quarter over quarter. Is that just like, is that purely from benchmarking kind of what that lift has been or how you've raised targets over the past X amount of quarters and you just kind of always aim within a percentage range or is it like much more seasonal than that? Is it kind of like, oh, we've got these big initiatives coming up so we really think we could do a lift here or how, how are you kind of thinking about that percentage of growth? It's the second one, like you said. So the Q2 is our big one. And the lead commit was, uh, oh, I'm going to get this wrong now, about 30, 40% bigger than this quarter coming up, which is a massive difference if you're thinking of the same resources and you've got to work out what you're doing, where and how. So uh, yeah, very much about that. And, and again, that comes directly from, we know in Q2, we will close X percentage of our, our yearly income. So in Q3, we're probably going to get a certain percentage less of that so it's all it's all about we're kind of pitching a bet on we're going to say this much in q4 is the is the revenue goal and that means we need a b and c from the from the marketing team to be able to do that so we, we kind of know and it will change obviously if we exceed quota or if we miss it or anything like that what what we need to hit the goal anyway for the end of the year but give or take it doesn't really change that much we've been about on target maybe a teeny bit over so um it, it's about the same thing um, and as far as like your marketing budget, does that kind of grow in correlation directly with that percentage that you're aiming at? So like, Hey, we know that this quarter, you know, we're expecting a big lift. So budgets extended there, or is it like, uh, are you kind of trying to push these numbers? Maybe they're going up more than the actual budget is to kind of see what, you know, like what, what the most, uh, juice you can get for the squeeze. Yeah, we have been pretty experimental, to be honest. We've tried um, a lot of different trade shows and uh, kind of weird with the whole COVID timeline. You guys sure. might have seen this uh, and probably a lot of the listeners have too. You commit to a trade show, or if you did anyways, 
And if they got cancelled, you kind of didn't really get like a choice. They just happened at some point and it was, hey guys, we're going to do it in November. And um, you're like, yeah, right, cool, thanks. And you just go with it. So there was a bit of randomness with that. But we did make a conscious effort in this year's budget particularly that we would say this quarter is going to be the heavy lift. So we'll look for the best trade shows around, maybe just before, just after, in, the, in that range. And, and probably we won't in this quarter. Or maybe we won't, we won't even do one at all in the next one. So, yeah, we have hedged our bets quite heavily there. And it's not like we've spent, you know, 200k on just trade shows to fill the panel because that doesn't truly actually work, realistically speaking. But, yeah, we have hedged our bets pretty well, I'd say. Now, I'm, I was going to ask you about this. Um, as you, you alluded to, like, as of late, MQLs are... Uh, you know, kind of getting some shade thrown their way, especially if you spend any amount of time oh, on yeah. LinkedIn. Um, I, I feel like it generally comes down to how companies are defining this, right? Because like for you, an MQL could be what other people are considering an SQL or maybe like even a, you know, really high intent, um, you know, or converting it at X rate. So why is it that it sounds like the the S, the MQL is sort of like a North Star metric you're always focused on. It's one of the big things that you're looking to always move the needle on. Um, where do you feel like maybe companies are getting it wrong? Or maybe a, you can answer it a different way if you prefer, which is like, uh, what has been sort of the reason why you've continued to track this over like other things? I'm really glad you asked me this because that is actually a very difficult question. And it's easy to give a really like theoretical answer because that's that's how you're basic anyone on linkedin you can say something theoretical you're right you get engagement congrats but if you give a tangible real world thing that happens this is you kind of don't do so well for some reason but um i was reading on sasta the other night one of their courses excellent amazing stuff i would highly recommend anyone in sas whether you what discipline you're in go and read it you will learn how to do everything from zero to 10 million pretty much of what timing why who how all the nuts and bolts in between it. So that this is where my answer comes from. So I credit Jason Lebkin for this completely. This is not my own. This is completely about the lead to rep ratio. So, you know, if, if I'm wrong, this is on Jason. If I'm right, it's on Jason. <laughs> but um, okay. if, if picture the scene, right? You're at a four-person startup. You're the first marketer. Right. Salesperson is essentially the CEO. They will take anything you can get and you'll call it an MQL. They sign up to a webinar, they filled out the newsletter form on the website, whatever it is, they'll take it and they'll do the best they can with it. Because Whether generally that, they're just interested in you. You've done something that has garnered their interest. Yeah, and, and it's a lead scarcity moment for them. So they're going to take everything and try to make the best of it that they can. They're literally feeding on the scraps that you make and hopefully you start to make more. Where it's the opposite is when you have, let's say, a proper sales team. You've got SDRs, maybe BDRs, account executives, all that kind of stuff too. Where it's awkward is, do you have too many leads or not enough? And, and conversely as well, too many reps or not enough? So in a lead poor environment, yeah, MQLs are brilliant. No one says a word because you're, you're not having loads and loads and loads of demo requests. On the flip side, when you've got a majorly good brand or for, for whatever reason or another, your demo requests are flooding in, you've got millions of free trials, whatever's going on, it's brilliant. You don't want to know about MQLs though because you've got free trials and demos coming your way. So I think it's massively about that. And to be fair, I've, I've never heard anybody say that apart from the, the thing I read on Sassler, which um, when I read it, I just thought, oh my God, yeah. How many times have I seen that? And 
like I hear people crapping on MQLs all the time and I personally, it's my job to generate them. <laughs> I love MQLs, don't you? But for, for the right reason. So right. It, yeah, it's different if I'm looking at it as we're lead poor, I need to generate as many good ones as I possibly can. And that's still the case in the lead rich environment. But what you do with it is different. And that's kind of the lens where you get the happy sales leader who loves MQLs or the angry sales leader who's really upset that we're all talking about them. So that that's that's my answer. What do you think? Uh, I think, yeah, I've never heard it stated that way before. I think a lot of times it comes down to, um, I think it's a really insightful answer. I think there's good context. I feel like from what I've seen, the bulk of it comes from... Uh, it seems like maybe the metric is getting the burden of hate when like as a stand in for what they really are upset about, which is just like marketers that aren't doing a lot besides generating like a name and an email address. Um, and then there's kind of this like never ending, like sales unhappy with the quality and not converting and marketers kind of getting a paycheck just to sort of like drive contacts. And I think, you know, the hate I've seen around it seems to be around like, how easy that is but that's why i say like i i feel like on linkedin um it's always made like really whenever you see like there's always more nuance than it seems right like like on linkedin you always you always hear like oh is the is the mql dead or like is seo dead and it's like i think like you say those things get more engagement but there's always more nuance like a company like vanilla soft for you MQLs is lifeblood. You're obviously generating revenue out of it. You're obviously a talented marketer, right? So like, I don't think to your point, I don't think people really like engage with nuance though. There's just this, like people want to jump on this wagon of like, why do we want to bother with this? You know, MQLs. And what they mean by that is like, we don't want to be, I know like if I feel that way, it's like, I don't want to be a marketer who can only buy lists of email addresses that don't end up converting. I want to prove my worth in my ability to like actually generate real demand, have people come in with high intent. And I want the marketing department to be able to like be proud of the actual revenue that they're driving. So I feel like that's where like, you know, you are seeing some pushback though. You know, there's, there's companies like powered by search and everything that are, you know, defending MQLs and, and doing it done the right way. So I don't know. That's my take. I'm with you. And you know what's sad? It's, if you want to sell to salespeople, the number one thing you can ever do is write something like cold calling is dead, dot, 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 and something else. That That's like 50 times more eyeballs than anything else because it's sensationalist. It's kind of, like you said, it's it's sub-nuance. And people are like, no, wait, hold on, that's not true. And they can't wait to tell you, no, that's not true. And then you, when you read the post nearly always, that they sort of frame it differently. And it's they're, they're not saying cold calling is dead because it isn't. They're saying... Well, cold calling badly is dead. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, it's there's lots of things like that where if you say something too niche, it, it kind of goes nowhere. But uh, but 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 that is the thing. It's easy to say MQLs are crap because maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Yeah, I mean, and you know, like I was talking with a with a friend who leads marketing at a um, it, like in a really niche industry that I don't know well, and and that's the thing. Like where I've come to is like I have my own opinions on these things, but I don't ever feel like they, like their opinions for where I'm at in my career and the company I'm at and the goals that we have, but not necessarily for like, I, I, you know, I've learned like you can't apply any of this stuff across the board. Like I was talking to this person and some of the stuff they're doing feels very old school to me. Um, and I was really surprised that it's like working for them, 
but it is like they're proving that they're that they're uh, hitting their goal. And it doesn't mean there's not like new things they could try. Right. And, and, and all these things. But um, yeah, I just don't feel like there's a one side. I think LinkedIn kind of forces you in some respects. I've seen good nuance takes, but I think it kind of forces you. The nuance doesn't get as much engagement and it kind of forces you to pick a side, but there's always more nuance. Like, you know, SEO's not dead. Is it the right strategy for this company at this time, at this stage with this spending capacity? Maybe yes or no, you know? Well, yeah, we had Chris Walker on our podcast and he said he doesn't do a single stitch of SEO. And I'm like, what? What do you mean you don't do SEO? You're a marketer. Hold on a second. What? Are you okay? And he tells me why and I totally get it. He's trying to go for big enterprise companies, like massive deal sizes. They aren't Googling their problems, realistically speaking, and the ones that he's trying to solve anyways. And then you get down the stream where, where like a $100 average deal size, if it's a one-seat buy, which um, we're sort of trending upwards, but you're, yeah, you're probably on Google. I mean, yeah, that's how it works for yeah. that, those types of people. And that's that's different, but the answer is yes and no, not yes, but, or no, but, right. normally, which is a shame. Right. Yeah. I, I really appreciate um, marketers like Gitano, like on, on LinkedIn, who like, they'll talk about being tool agnostic. And I kind of feel like you need to be that way. Like, again, I think everyone is kind of on the same page. Like what everyone would agree on is like bad MQLs. What they really mean is like lazy marketing that does things that don't drive any results. And are just like going through the motions. Like, I don't know many engaged, talented marketers that would be like, no, that's exactly what we do, what we think we should do. Like, that's what they're really against. They just kind of like, you know, throw shade at the actual KPI or, or, or tactic or marketing tool or whatever. So anyway, yeah, I, I agree. And, and I also think you have to consider like some of the thought leaders who I like, I love Chris Walker. He's, I've learned so much from him. You also have to think about like where they are, uh, you, you know, like, you have to understand that like he's trying to create a point of view and put it out there in the industry. And that's intentional. Like if you agree with the way Chris thinks about marketing, then you're going to love refine labs because that's the way they execute marketing. Right? So like, that's what he's doing. Like he's driving, not a wedge necessarily, but like he's sharing his perspective and point of view on the quote unquote right way to do marketing. And if you agree, he's, it's going to draw you into his ecosystem and you will feel like, well, there's no better person or company to execute marketing for me if that's the way I like it. If you are really reliant on SEO and MQLs, you know, maybe an agency like Powered by Search is going to get your attention. So that's the other thing is like these people are also sharing their point of view to intentionally attract or push away, you know, foster rejection of, uh, of people through, you know, through sharing that. So there can't be neutrality because we're all paid by a company and companies can't be neutral. They're selling themselves. So Totally with you, dude. All right. That was a fun rabbit hole. I've never, we have not gone, I've not gotten, (laughs) I got deep. um, Okay. So we've talked about where are we now in in my notes? Uh, How you define MQ. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so this is a North Star metric. You know, you're always focused on this is why, you know, this is why you value it, why it's working well for you all. Um, How did you set to work moving the needle on it? So you, so like I get, you know, recently let's take, let's take the last quarter with some of the results you shared with me. Um, How did you approach setting strategy to hit that goal? It was a big, scary number. And uh, at the start of the quarter and the one before it, we knew Q1 is what it is. It was um, only a little, little bit different, not, not that much different, but, uh, but enough that you'd notice it. We, we 
I'll be honest, I scraped over the line. Uh, we got a little bit close at the end. We kind of panicked and thought, oh, are we going to hit this? Do we need to sort of find something out of nowhere? And we found a way to do it. Um, Q2, much bigger. And, uh, and you're thinking, oh dear, we just barely made it. And now we've got to up our game. So the tactic always had to be different. What um, saved me massively, and I confess I've always wanted to do one. I found out extremely hardly how to do one the wrong way. We did a virtual conference the last day of Q1. And uh, it was a bit of a squeeze for the timing just because of the seasonality. So, so as I was saying, Q2 is kind of the closing season for one of our markets. To, to squeeze it in to the last day of Q1 kind of wasn't quite enough time for them, kind of was barely enough time for me at all. You know, it, it worked, but uh, but could have been a lot better. Our first ever virtual conference, so you know, it's one of those things you you live and you learn. Um, we did that, and on the day of it, I decided I am not going through this process again. It got it's got to be different, and we want to do a big one for next quarter because we know webinars are good, but you know they're just like an hour, half an hour of stuff. If you've got a day or a couple of days or a week, maybe it's really good, and uh, and people really seem to care about those things and. The reason we hit our quarter the first time out, we sponsored the Vidyard event. Uh, I think they call it to Human to Human is their virtual conference, and we, we were lucky enough to speak. And um, yeah, that the session went really well. We helped promote it, and and the lead list from the session I was on tipped us over the goal, which is great. We took a leaf out of their book because we saw how well I saw how unwell I, I'd like to say poorly, but unwell my conference was ran. It just in terms of logistics, it was nothing like that, and I wouldn't have expected it to be. But I wanted to take something out of how they did it and, and sort of apply that to my own end of quarter push to hit the biggest quarter that we have. So normally we would have a couple of trade shows. We'd have our regular webinars and other lead capture things like any team would have a bit of ads, a bit of PPC, Facebook, all those things and, and SEO. But to tip us over the edge, we have these events and it really does depend a lot on the guests to help us bring in these new people. Because as you know, if somebody's in your email list, they're not a new person at all. They're already there. So I, I measured on new people and all the time. So I've got to find a way of getting them. What's the best way? Well, I don't really want to spend out like spammy emails to lists we don't own. That's not really my style. Ads can be expensive. You know, there's, there's ways of making it affordable. But my cheap, free, easy, brilliant way of doing it is just good guests and lots of them. Normally, if you work out who's good and you've sort of made mistakes a couple of times like I have, you work out who's a good partner in the industry and you sort of rotate through them. You find new ones, you mix in new ones and all that sort of stuff. So we've relied on that a lot. But the big difference, because that barely got us over the line last quarter, we did another virtual conference and this one was huge. A whole month, two sessions a day. And, and really that was born out of the frustration upon our first one. It was a solid eight hour day, back to back to back to back, just one day. Wow. And I couldn't actually consume it. I, I, I was sick to death of hearing about it to be honest at that point I was exhausted so I didn't even want to watch it uh, probably our team felt the same and <laughs> our sales team massive credit to them for pulling so much of the weight on that they really did save the day but um, I just couldn't deal with the format I couldn't even go to the toilet get a drink or anything it was just relentless so we right. decided let's not do that let's do a whole month because it gives us so much time to talk about it because one thing is you know the format is one thing promoting one day is the same as promoting one webinar. You've only really got the, the leading up couple of weeks and then it's gone. But when you've got a whole month, you've got a whole month before and during. So you can do way more with that. And that's, that is pretty much what saved the day on this. So we had a whole month and a bit of promo beforehand. 
uh, we were literally on the day of that very first ever virtual conference, I reached out to um, loads of sponsors and speakers and I got about 14 in one day out of the 45 we had in the end. So I was already about a quarter third of the way. And then very quickly we got going, we got the promo and uh, we worked out who was going to speak when, recorded it, all that stuff and put it together and it was a monster. Uh, bless our editing guy, our video producer, Daniel, 23 plus hours he spent editing. Wow. Uh, he deserves his vacation coming up. So um, so props to him and, and the rest of the team for doing it. But you put a monster together and you've got to bring a monster number. So there was a bit of pressure. <laughs> I, I yeah. looked at the team and I just thought, I'm going to exhaust everybody. I better do a good job on this. But uh, but we pulled it out of the bag. So pleased to have it. So when you say, uh, there's a few things to dig into here. Um, when you focused on getting higher quality guests and lots of them or just, you know, not higher, but high quality guests, lots of them were they, I would imagine they were part of like an organic sort of effort to drive attendance as well. Right. Because you, did you like equip them with messaging around it or encourage them to share? Did they kind of do it naturally? Um, like how much did you see sponsors and guests? I guess what I'm, what I'm asking, driving more people and reaching, bringing their networks to the event. Any marketer who doesn't tell you this is lying. They are the primary reason for the, the attendees and for the marketer. That's it. Literally. Anyone who I invited to come and speak, I did it because A, I think you're a very good speaker and you're a smart person. That's always got to be the first thing. It can't be the second because otherwise you will end up with crappy people. Secondarily, you've got to be able to promote it. Otherwise, it's useless because nothing is heard in a vacuum. So if you can have the best chat with me in the world. No one sees it kind of waste of time and that that really doesn't help me and it kind of wastes your time too so i was always pretty good at picking those people and when you do new people that you're not worked with before you do kind of you get the odd few that it doesn't really go that way and that's life but with uh with with two sessions a day for a month and and in the month of june it was i think 22 days and we had a, an extra day to do the kickoff so 45 sessions 45 wow. people you're probably going to get like a couple that don't help you promote but give or take you'll be all right so I knew with that number, we only need about, you know, a handful of people per speaker and we'll have a lot of people come to this. Never mind the sponsors too. So I confess that uh, we, uh, we actually stole Vidyard. I stole Vidyard's um, uh, sponsor agreement on this. Not, it's not an agreement as such. It's kind of an informal lead sharing policy. If we sponsor it and we like promote the event, we get say 100 people, they give us 200 more. They give you a multiple of what you generated plus your own. So we did the same thing. It's a win-win for a certain number of companies. I actually got some of our ABM list target accounts on there to sponsor it, which was a nice little dovetail for the sales team. And uh, and it really helped us bring in a bunch of numbers. But but yeah, totally. As you said, a lot of the speakers, they did an amazing job with the promo. And all I really did, um, I should have done some copy and uh, imagery and that stuff, like you said. We did imagery for everybody. I didn't really do an email or any, any of that stuff. I just did every few days an announcement of a new speaker so i didn't want to just go bang here's 45 speakers because i can't really even promote that properly so right I did maybe five six seven eight a week for for a few weeks until the last month of the promo okay. and then i would pr basically just let them know here's how many people you have generated so far every so often a bit bit of like fomo if you will not sure. not guilt tripping them but it, you know what it's like if you see your name and it's got a zero next to it and there's seven other people with 10 20 and 30 on it you're gonna do something and that, that's kind of how it works. And it's happened to me before. It's happened to a lot of marketers. So I just take and use that. And um, I, I was very happy with how um, the, sp the sponsor and the speakers helped us out with it. Uh, they were all brilliant. So I can't thank them all enough. 
And what was the hours like? like your first, the the other one that was like one day, eight hours. When you, when you say two, it was two sessions per day for the entire yeah. month. What does that look like? Two hours a day. I uh, I picked a thirty minute slot for each, and I did. Uh, I think it was eleven Eastern and two PM Eastern every day. So what, there was two topics. I did a, pretend it was a real life one. You'd have two stages, and I'd have a sales stage and a startup like strategy stage, and uh, they were the same time per per day, sort of each one. Okay. And what was the, what was the idea behind, um, like to me that that's a massive, like it's, it's a really, um, interesting idea, but I don't know that I, like I would have made the leap from like, Oh, that one, that one day for eight hours was pretty stressful. Let's, you know, let's change it up. Like I might've thought let's break it into three days or like five days. Like what was the onus behind? Like, let's do it for a month. Like that obviously biting off, biting off a lot. Normally, I look at what we're doing in the next couple of weeks in chunks, and they're roughly a month, but not exactly. So as of today, like midway through the month, I know I've got four sessions, which unfortunately is one a week, which is quite a lot. Two of them are third party, though, so that, that kind of saves my day. Next week, it'll be it'll be three for the next couple of weeks. So, you know, I'm, I'm not too worried about it. So in that sense, yeah, I'm, I'm breaking it up by how much time do we have to promote all of the next things that we have. And when I got to halfway through the quarter planning, I'm looking at, yeah, this is the first six weeks. We're all right. Then we've got a bit of like a dry spell where we've got a few, but we've got nothing in the last month. So what do we do with that? And that's when I thought, well, like why force something into the middle and shoehorn it in when it won't, it might not be that good. I've got to get on with this anyway. So I might as well just use that time to promote something bigger. And maybe the month thing was me being a bit audacious. I'm, I put a lead commitment goal on myself that was, outlandish uh, i admit to being naive i said i wanted 2000 leads for this we didn't get that we got a very very respectable number which we can talk about but um i based it on what vidyard got for theirs and i thought you know if i could beat that that is amazing for us and for me really i, I made it it was a bit personal to be honest I'm, that was how i motivated myself for it so we didn't quite eclipse that no shame in it i think it was maybe a little bit beyond the uh, possibility for the timing but um yeah i just looked at it and said we can promote this for much longer and that will, that will make up the big difference. Awesome. I do want to get into the results, but my last question around the event itself is, um, well, actually a couple more questions. So the, the, um, is this an event like, this is a brand question. This is like, I, this is stuff I like to geek out on. Right. So like, uh, is this, is this an event that you're putting under like some brand name that you're trying to like, over time build recognition and affinity for so attracting guests isn't as hard attracting uh great speakers isn't as hard you're not as reliant on the speakers to drive the things and if that's the case it's not because it sounds like you're running events kind of year round um are you going to reserve if you do this in the future are you going to kind of put this under a banner name that's always like the one month conference we do at this time every year despite whatever else we do or is it kind of just this ongoing like almost existing marketing channel of, of like a live thing going like how are you thinking about that it's a brilliant question and to be honest i really wish that i thought about it a little bit earlier i did halfway through the promo i think you know what this this is looking like it could be really good why don't we do it again but the problem is I've called it growth month. We have a logo which says growth month. So if next time I think that was a bit much, let's do a week. It's still called growth month. Doesn't really <laughs> work. So yes and no. I mean, in a roundabout way, sadly, I wish I just called it like the growth conference for a month, but, uh, but I haven't. So I, I think we will do a month again, like maybe just one a day or, or we'll do something different about it. I, I don't know exactly what yet, but 
yes, I, I do want it to become a recurring thing because see a lot of the leaders in our space and maybe we're a bit late to the party here, but hey, I, I don't, I can't take back time. Lots and lots of companies in the sales space particularly, or even now marketing as well. Weirdly, they seem to have been behind the salespeople somehow. It, you're, you're seeing like media companies get acquired by software companies a lot. Or um, yeah, uh, what oh, there was a newsletter that got acquired by HubSpot. I, I forget the name. Sam Parr is the guy that runs it. Yeah, the yeah, hustle. Yeah. I think it yep. is. You're yep. seeing things like that, or saleshacker.com bought by Outreach. There's, or, there's um, loads of them. Brian and now, Dean's backlinko, you know, I think, got bought by Semrush. Was it? That's the one. Yeah. So there's plenty of those. So why can't it be its own thing? Why couldn't it be? Or even Terminus has um, flipped my funnel. You know, they have their own conference where even the competitors speak. Why would we not want to do that? Yeah. You know, it's our own medium. We just have to invest in it. But eventually it serves for the whole market and it definitely serves us because we can pick and choose where we put ourselves. But yeah, I mean, primarily I would love to do it again. I just wish I hadn't called it month because it may not be a month next time. That's kind of my, my next problem. Hey, I mean, there are some really big brands going through like severe name changes and stuff. So, and, and they've done that after like years of buildup. So I, I think it's doable. The other thing I think is clever about it is, um, you know, like, let's say you do retain it. I mean, this is just what, it's just my two cents. Uh, but I, I think it's interesting. You're doing it for a month because even if you do have to cut down in scope and you do the same number of speakers, but just, you know, one session a day or something, there's something really interesting. Like I do think, I think this way a lot about when we think about community at Databox, um, I've differentiated between like centralized community and decentralized community. Like, and just to, just for a distinction in my own brain that helps me, like when most companies talk about building community, they're talking about centralized. They want to own the Slack channel or like the proprietary third party forum or like whatever it is they're running or a Facebook group. Um, and we're starting off with like decentralized because we're like, okay, it's a tall ask and it's a really competitive space. Um, and the more, you know, businesses that create, you know, third party proprietary like marketing communities, the harder it is, right? So same thing I think with events and there needs to be in my mind some like niche, some like distinction, some like, you know, niche take on it. So the one month angle is actually like quite a nice like distinguisher. It's like, oh, wow, this is like, you know, it's like there's a million music festivals, but one that goes on for a month, that's different. That's a hook. That's, you know, a different branding thing. So um, anyway, f for what it's worth, I, I think it's good. It'd be, it would be cool to see you uh, keep running it. Yeah, you know, just very briefly as well. Like we have, I, I can't even think of one as I say this, but there's if there's things on the calendar which are something month, right? And, and that's just what we know as like it might be, uh, God knows, like human rights month or history about this certain part of the world month or, or whatever it is. Or even in England, we have certain months of the year where we think about the monarchy or, or you know, loads of different random things. So that's that's a thing anyway. But normally we have, I haven't even seen that in a, in a marketing context. So I don't even think I knew I was doing that. But mm. weirdly I have. So, so that's kind of lucky. But I might keep it just because of that. It is just it's a whole month and you know what that is. And it's probably going to be quite a lot of content, which means lots of reasons to come. Now, how are you thinking about, um, I guess tactically. So are people registering, is there like a front facing, this is like really getting down to the nitty gritty, but I'm just curious. Is, is there like, are people registering to enter the event broadly or are they registering? Like, do they, is there like a landing page for each speaker in session and that puts them into this like funnel or are they kind of accessing it like one main gate and once they're in, they can kind of explore like anything. Um, and then my follow-up question is, 
immediately after it's recorded, is it living there the whole month? Or if they missed it, did they missed it and they can kind of come back later? Can I give a shout out to the tour that we hosted it on? Yes. HeySummit.com. Um, I was looking, right? I did like nine demos in a week for a, for a tour that would run this thing. Oh my God, it was hell. Just talking about the idea over and over and over again. Hell. Lucky for me, very, very lucky, right? This would have been a nightmare and more expensive had we have not got this. A person on the team happened to have a lifetime account deal with HeySummit. The problem with any virtual event platform, not webinar, that is totally different. Virtual events and virtual conferences, they charge you per user that comes on. So effectively, you lose for doing well. I don't understand. Really weird for me. Obviously, they've got hosting problems to deal with and that's fine, but... If I want to do a good job, like why am I paying more for that? That's just really bizarre. Yeah. So that really put me off, like a lot of them. And they are not cheap anyway. They're like 20K. And you're like, what? Like our first ever one, I've got to drop 20K and then pay for people to come. No, I'm not doing that. So we were very lucky that someone on the team already had one. And it basically means you can get like up to 5,000 people in your account at once. Not per event, not per session just register to your account and if you get near 5000 you delete it and it's all fresh so i was extremely lucky that was practically free okay it would have been a different story had it not have had that so from that basically i'm working with hey summit and i know that you pretty much build a website that's how it goes and it's not like um if you've been in other virtual event platforms you're kind of in like a lobby and you can click where you're facing as it were you click screen one and you end up watching it in the chats here but if you want to click away and look otherwise elsewhere you're kind of still there in the vicinity the chat's still there the window's still there you can still hear it it that's what they're like this is more of a website where you click to this talk at this page at this time so that's my only sort of gripe with it as much as i can't say a word because it was basically free that was the only annoying thing because at the time of a session you've got to go to the right place and like hit refresh and that sort of thing but Yes. Um, so basically you start with a website, it's all templatized and you could edit it down to the ground. You fill out an agenda and the speakers and the sessions and the date and the time, all that stuff. And then with every single one, there's a about the, about me, I'm speaking at growth month. Uh, here's my session at growth month, date and time and description register here. And there was a sponsors page, which is kind of useless. Um, but the primary was register. And you come in and it will say, right, name, email address, and next. So you do that. And then what happens next is you get, right, here are all of the sessions. You can click one button to register for them all, or you go through every single one. You tick, 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 whatever one you want. And that, that's how a lot of people did it. Just they default went, yeah, everything, fine. And then, then I assume they either logged back in or they added it to their diary if they wanted to go. But, um, but that's what they did. And as far as the replays, you can tick instead of every single session whether you want it available or not. So I have ticked them just in case anyone happens to go back to the website because now it's not actually useful. It's not in use at all. It's just there alive for a bit. I'll probably leave it until we need to get rid of it because we've we've repurposed it and put it elsewhere on our own website. But you can leave it there for as long as you want. And, and in actual fact, the way we talked about it was if you miss the first one, doesn't matter. You can still come back and watch it anytime you want. And you can come in and watch the next ones if you want. You can register on the last day of the event and still catch the whole thing. You just won't do it at the time that everyone else did. So we were we were trying not to say like, join us for this live event because it, you, you don't have to treat it as live at all the way that right. we did it. So right. um, that, that helped quite a bit because it was just as fresh and new to anybody on the last day, whether it was the first time they'd heard of it, whether it was the first day they'd heard of it as well. So... I, I try my best to let it live and breathe and, and be there for as long as it could. 
I think that's a smart approach because that's something that always felt like there's just that little bit of like magic that virtual events always miss. Like when, when everyone did them during COVID, especially, um, no matter what they would say, like they just, there's not like it never for me generated enough. Like, Oh, I've got to be there and can't miss it. Like they'd have to have a pretty compelling, like the speaker would have to be like so hard to access who didn't share this talk anywhere else. And I like have to reorient my calendar to make it like, otherwise, um, there's not a ton of reasons. So that's another advantage. I think, you know, of, of running it for a month, especially if they can go back retroactively. So my last question on, on this, when given that you're using this to primarily drive MQLs, are you, um, when you say you're repurposing on the website, is that gated then I'm assuming? And they just kind of like enter to access past content. Yeah, pretty much the first ever event we did, it was all kind of on one topic. So it made sense. That was one, basically a landing page. You just go in, you get through the gate and there is eight sessions, this one where it's 44, and particularly where it's two different types of topics. So you got sales, in which case you could even have five subsets of sales. And then on the other side, the strategy stage, there was even maybe three or four on that. So you wouldn't want to just sign up to the whole thing. It would be too much, much as some people did for the live event anyways. But yeah, on, on terms of a landing page, we have pretty much the same page. We've just changed it for, right, this is the cold calling bit. This is the cold email bit. This is the LinkedIn and video bit. This is the acquisitions of bootstrapping bit. And, and that's where a handful live. So it's not too much. Because anyways, if, if you think about it, growth month, what, what is that? Bootstrapping acquisition sessions. Okay, I know what that is. I'll go and get them. So um, we, we pretty much have the same landing page available on the site in the, in the resources. Okay. Awesome. Well, yeah, this has been uh, super, super fun to, to chat about and get into the, to the detail of how you did it. So let's end with the results. So what you said, you set this audacious goal. Um, what what was the actual like results that you saw from this as far as uh, driving new MQLs? I'd have been a bit embarrassed with less than a thousand, being honest. I made a bit of a joke about it the whole time, but uh, we got over a thousand, so I don't have to retire yet. That's good. <laughs> that that was one of the jokes. It was like, if we don't hit a thousand, I'm I'm retiring. Sorry, guys, but um, yeah, we we tipped a thousand, and it was about twelve hundred fifteen. Um, give or take, there's like my name is in there, so so you could discount me and stuff like that. So okay. call it twelve hundred. I said 2000, um, that's based on the video event and knowing what they got, trying to sort of tip just past that. That was also me sort of not having done an event on this scale. I kind of thought um, it would be easier and it's not easy at all. If try dealing with 75 people for a month, not easy. Uh, I've empathized with every enterprise team manager ever now. I always thought that was um, not for me, but now I know exactly how not for me that is just because I've done that for a month. So, um, so yeah, a bit of that. Um, I have to say the sponsors really helped me out a lot. They, uh, they were a big reason for, for doing this. It's not just like, Hey, I want your money. We didn't, we didn't charge a dollar for any of this. Maybe we will in the future. I don't know, but I did want to do it with kind of like-minded people. I didn't want to just get like anyone who would do it with us. Sure. I wanted it to be like some of my friends who are even smaller companies and I wouldn't have done it if they were my friends, but I didn't see a good reason for them to do it with us. It had to sort of be a mutual benefit, but I've got some friends at small companies who have got not that much resource and, and they get in on this for free and it's really good for them. Brilliant. So I, I like doing it sort of where it's a, a scratching each other's back type of thing. So I was quite lucky to do that, but 1200 or so. And uh, yeah, I mean, the only way we could have done better, I think probably, I think we could have incentivized the speakers and the sponsors maybe a bit better. So what we're doing is we said um, sponsors will generate 
uh, a registrant to the to the conference point blank doesn't matter what session it is and you'll get minimally that number back but you get a multiple of that number plus from the from the pool and that's that's what lots of conferences do if they don't charge the number maybe i'm giving them back possibly i could have added one to the multiple so if it was if it was three times i give them four if it's two i give them three plus what they get maybe that would have incentivized maybe i could have picked um maybe i could have even picked better or set expectations better because that was one thing you know some people think putting one tweet out is brilliant and that's just not really how it goes in this day and age it's sort of you have to you have to do to get sort of thing so bit of expectation setting on that side would have maybe helped me get some more people who maybe they'd have done more or maybe they'd have said you know what, i can't do it and that would have been just as useful we, we could have found another speaker so that on a couple of occasions um bit of trial and error i, I went for some big names uh, and we got them um some were brilliant some were awesome sessions but they didn't really help us promote it too much there's a, always a bit of that when you got 45 humans so um so yeah, a bit of that. And, and in fairness, I did also admit defeat. I thought at one point, why isn't anyone promoting this just yet? And then I remembered, oh yeah, like it's a month away. Like we normally have two things to do before the end of one month, never mind someone else's. So just, I, I hadn't really been in that situation before and I didn't know what to expect and what to expect of the partners and the speakers that we're dealing with. So that, uh, that maybe went 1% against me, I think, but I'm pleased with it. The team's really happy with it. We annihilated our goal with that, uh, which is always a good thing. And um, our goal for the court was something like 1,600. Uh, take of that what you mean, but 1,200 in, in a month is, gives you two months free to try and get a couple more hundred. So we did well by it. I'm happy with it, but hopefully better next time, I think. Yeah, so when you... Um, th this is awesome. This has been such a helpful breakdown um, for anyone looking to do the same through a similar channel. Do you... Um, you know, when, when you've kind of obliterated a goal like that, and this was a big month for you, like this is when you were nervous coming into as well. Um, when you kind of get ahead like that, will you use it? Do you have a backlog? I'm curious of like more experimental things that like, if it doesn't work, we're okay. Cause we like stockpiled or do you kind of have like, I know you mentioned before the events was kind of the new thing we talked about, but you've got this steady stream of like paid and other channels that are kind of constant drivers for you. So will you, uh, how will you think about using, like, was it just a good month or does it translate into any other like growth experiments or, or how are you thinking about that? I have to give credit to, uh, to my previous boss, Evan. He, he taught me what it's like to come close to failure and not have a backup plan and, and the power of that. Uh, my biggest motivation is I hate to fail, hate it like to death. So it, even just saying that, I actually felt a bit of adrenaline in me for some reason. I just absolutely detest it. So it makes me go crazy. I put my head down in the sand like an ostrich and I don't come out until it's better. <laughs> so in a sense, like that's always got me by somehow or another, but I can't rely on that forever. And at some point I will definitely fail. It's just human nature. So he told me, look, I mean, you nearly failed last quarter. Let's make sure we've got a backup plan. Didn't tell me what it was though. So I went and thought about it. The biggest leverage that I have, the biggest easy lever to pull is the people we're working with. They've all got audiences. We've got what we've got, which is brilliant, but there's 45 of them, or, or maybe even 50 if you count the sponsors. 50 other audiences that are accessible. How can I tweak a little extra 5 or 10% out of that? So I thought of, like I said, the, the extra multiple of the leads that we send them back. I thought of, um, you know, it's a bit gimmicky, but even stuff like could we gift card you? Could we like send you a bottle of champagne or whatever it is? Those things just to activate that little tiny bit out of the um, the speakers and sponsors is always good. 
um there's always things you forget like it's kind of like building a house when you do a big project like this you always think you've got everything and then you forget to order the roof and it's late and it's more expensive we did an okay job of using the pipeline and close lost and those types of things within the sales team we did kind of approach the customers a bit but it was kind of like let's send an email and see what happens we didn't really like use the csm team and involve them in this and sort of have them speak about it on their calls with clients and that stuff we could have done a bit more of like a whole company mm, holistic yeah. sort of blanket set over this which is really difficult when you don't know what you're doing and it's like your second time you're, you're trying your best and you've got a massive promo plan it's really concrete but you've not thought about that and then you think oh actually i know why don't we get the sdrs to reach out to their closed lost or, or, or in pipeline right and then that gets a certain amount of leads and you think ah oh, that works maybe i could have done the um the other product line we have and i could have done the same thing or like customers that left us a year ago or people that left us a g2 review we, there's loads and loads of segments that you just don't think of and uh, i was i had to try and sort of out you don't know what you don't know i had to try and work out which ones i didn't know and write them down somehow so uh, I, maybe next time i'll have a longer list of backups but i did try and uh, luckily i didn't need to lean on them very much but um but maybe i could have next time and it could have squeezed a bit more out of it well, this has been awesome. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, and uh, I'm super excited to see where the event goes from here. Thank you so much, uh, Ali, for all that you shared with us. Thanks very much for coming on. It's always good fun. And uh, pleased to finally make it on. I've actually listened to a ton of these shows. So um, it's good to actually be on it. It's good fun. Yeah, thanks again. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.